0: What is going on everybody and welcome back to another episode of rookie ball the podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports or if you just want to hear my opinion on them i of course am always your host phoenix haigus and ladies and gentlemen sports are in their prime right now and i'm so excited because we have march madness and free agent science and the nfl let's get into it So as we've been hyping up for months, March Madness begins tonight. The first four games, two of the first four games begin tonight. And that is the game between Wyoming and Indiana for the 12th seed. And the Texas Southern versus the Texas A&M CC game for the 16th seed on the Midwest side to play against Kansas. And the plan originally for this episode was going to have me go through the entire tournament. Talk about each game and pick my bracket but there's been some crazy news in the nfl and mlb which means we do not have time to go through each game so what are we going to do i am just going to tell you my pick for each game i'm going to tell you my bracket it should take like max five minutes so here we go starting on the west side gonzaga georgia state i got gonzaga boise state versus memphis i got memphis yukon versus new mexico state i got yukon arkansas versus vermont i got arkansas alabama versus whoever wins the 11th seed i like alabama in that matchup no matter what texas tech versus montana state i got texas tech michigan state versus davidson i got michigan state and duke versus Cal saint fullerton i have duke to finish out the west side gonzaga versus memphis in the second round i got gonzaga yukon versus arkansas i got arkansas moving to the sweet 16 alabama versus texas tech i got texas tech Michigan State versus Duke, a rematch from 2019. I have Duke. That leaves Gonzaga versus Arkansas in the Sweet 16. Gonzaga moves to the Elite Eight. Texas Tech versus Duke. I got Duke moving to the Elite Eight. And I have Gonzaga moving into the final four spot from the West side. Moving over to the right side of the bracket on the South side top. Arizona versus whoever wins 16 seed. I got Arizona. Seton Hall versus TCU. Seton Hall all the way. Houston versus UAB, one of my big upset picks. I got UAB winning that game. Illinois versus Chattanooga, I got Illinois winning that game. Colorado State versus Michigan, Michigan doesn't deserve to be in the tournament, so I got Colorado State. Tennessee versus Longwood, as much as I want to pick Longwood for certain reasons, I'm going Tennessee. Ohio State versus Loyola Chicago, I'm an Ohio boy, but I'm going with Loyola Chicago. And Villanova versus Delaware, I'm going with Villanova. Moving on to the second round, Arizona versus Seton Hall. I got Arizona moving on. UAB versus Illinois. I do have the Cinderella run stopping there. I got Illinois. Colorado State versus Tennessee. Tennessee's moving on. And Loyola, Chicago versus Villanova. I got Villanova. Sweet 16 starts with Arizona versus Illinois. I got Arizona moving on. Tennessee versus Villanova. Tennessee is one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now. I got them moving on to the Elite Eight, but they do fall to Arizona. To move on to the final four, Arizonas in the final four along with Gonzaga. In the Midwest, we start off with Kansas versus whoever gets the 16 seed. I got Kansas. San Diego State versus Creighton. I got Creighton. Iowa versus Richmond. I originally had Richmond, but I'm going with Iowa. They're way too hot right now. Providence versus South Dakota State. I'm going with Providence, but that could be an upset right there. LSU versus Iowa State. I got LSU. Wisconsin against Colgate. I got Wisconsin. USC versus Miami. USC. Auburn and Jacksonville State. I got Auburn moving on i got kansas versus creighton kansas moves on iowa versus providence iowa moves on lsu versus wisconsin i'm going with wisconsin and usc versus auburn i'm picking an upset i got usc beating auburn moving on to my sweet 16 i got kansas versus iowa i am picking kansas i think they're too good for a team that's even that hot wisconsin versus usc i'm going with wisconsin which leaves me with kansas and wisconsin in the elite eight and you know what I'm picking a Big Ten team. Wisconsin moves into the Final Four. And finally on the east side, we have Baylor versus Norfolk State. I got Baylor. North Carolina versus Marquette. I'm going with North Carolina. St. Mary's versus Indiana. Another 12 seed upset. I'm going with whoever wins that game. I think Wyoming and Indiana will both beat St. Mary's. UCLA versus Akron. I got UCLA moving on. Texas versus Virginia Tech. That's another upset. I got Virginia Tech taking that one. Purdue versus Yale, although it could very much be an upset, I'm going with Purdue. Murray State versus San Fran, I like San Fran, but I'm going to go with Murray State. Kentucky versus St. Peters, clearly Kentucky. In the second round, I got Baylor versus North Carolina. It could be an upset, but I'm going with Baylor. Indiana versus UCLA, I'm going with UCLA. Virginia Tech versus Purdue, Purdue is a big fraud. Virginia Tech moves on. And Murray State versus Kentucky, I got Kentucky. In the Sweet 16, I have Baylor and UCLA. I'm taking UCLA to win that game. And then finally, the Cinderella run ends. The final Cinderella team I have, Virginia Tech versus Kentucky. I'm going with Kentucky. In between UCLA and Kentucky to move on to the Final Four, I'm, of course, going with my boys in the big blue. Kentucky moves on to the Final Four. So my seeds lay out to a 2-1 seeds, 1-2 seed, and 1-3 seed. I'm very happy with that. Statistically, that's how that works most of the time. Cinderella teams usually get taken out in the C16 or the Elite Eight, and that's where I have most of my upset teams losing. But the final four, I got Gonzaga versus Kentucky. Gonzaga's a great team. They have some of the highest prospects, but you know I gotta go with my boys in the big blue Kentucky in the national championship. And then Arizona versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin's great. They've had a great run so far. But Arizona is one of the hardest matchups to face in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going with Arizona. But the national championship pick, that is where Arizona will be stopped when they are met with the unmovable object, Kentucky. So I got Kentucky winning it all. As I said, I would. I stick by my boys. And you know how it works on rookie ball. We are biased as can be. But if you guys need to go back and just hear all of my picks, feel free to. That's why you are able to move throughout the episode at whatever speed you like. But those are my picks. My official ones. I, of course, have other brackets with upsets, with favorites. But that is my pick that I go into as my main one. I hope you guys are as excited about March Madness as I am. I've been so hyped the last few days. It's truly motivated me to go out and do things especially going out and just making brackets and talking to people about as much as I can. So if you're excited for March Madness, let me know. We can chat it up. And I cannot wait for all of you guys and I to watch and talk about the games in the next coming weeks. Since the MLB has come back, there has been a ridiculous amount of moves across the league including some of the biggest names in baseball and it has been absolutely insane to watch. And as much as I would want to go through every single move with you guys and figure out which ones are good and which ones are bad, there is so much. I talked about it in a tweet a couple days ago at Rookie Ball Pod 1. If you want to hear more content from me, I just talked about how there's so many trades that I genuinely can't keep up, and I'm going to try and talk about the main ones at least on the episode. So, without further ado, I have four moves that I think are the biggest so far, and two of them include my Cincinnati Reds. And I know the trades are ready and they're not good for us. But at least we're in news, I guess. I don't know. I've given up on the Reds. I'm ready for the Bengals to start again. So, as I said, there's been a lot of moves, and one of the teams that has been involved in two of the four big moves is the Minnesota Twins. Now, I don't know if this has been a good thing for them. One of their moves seems very rebuildish, not rebuildish, but definitely not trying to win now, and one of their moves is super win now. So, their first trade included. The Cincinnati Reds and that was the trade for Sonny Gray Minnesota acquired Sonny Gray from Cincinnati for their right-handing pitcher Chase Petty who is I believe the number one prospect in the entire MLB which for the future of the Reds amazing but the Reds said that they want to win now and this is not a win now move this is a complete rebuild and most of their trades so far this offseason have been but Sonny Gray, I wish the best for him. I like this move by Minnesota. I think they have a good team. Is it a World Series contender? I don't know, but they're clearly making moves to move towards that. And that includes their second trade, which was sending Josh Donaldson, and I believe one more other player, to New York, the Yankees, in exchange for Gary Sanchez, Gio Ursula, and I believe one or two other players it was a five player deal in total, and I think this is a fair move. The only thing that makes me question it is Minnesota, clearly with their move so far, has wanted to compete this year. And Josh Donaldson was one of the biggest parts of their offense and just team in total last season. And while I agree that it's fine to trade him during this offseason for players to trade him to a team that is rivaling your chances at a world series especially the new york yankees who even though they haven't made it in a while are always a huge threat because of how much talent they have on their team so i like this move for the twins i like what they're getting back i like what they're trading away i just don't like the team they're trading it to meanwhile for the yankees If this doesn't work out for them, I know they'll be fine eventually, but this will be very disappointing because Gary Sanchez, even though he had a couple off years, was one of the fan favorites by Yankees fans, I I think, at least. I mean, they drafted him. He's been on the team for so long. He's been part of some of their better teams and had a great rookie year. So I do truly question how Yankees fans are going to respond to this if, It doesn't turn into championships because that has been the problem of the last decade basically for the Yankees is they're used to winning all the time. I mean, 27 World Series to second place is five. If if they're not winning, their fans are going to be upset. And I think they're trying to have their fans realize that 27 World Series is not realistic. But the Yankees continue to just try to prove themselves that they're the Yankees of the old And that's totally fine that's fine but I mean I'm just saying if they don't win their fans might riot the third move also included the Cincinnati Reds the Cincinnati Reds traded a Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker to the Seattle Mariners for a package of three prospects and eventually one more to be named later unless it is cash considerations and I hate this move I hate this move I hate this move. I was so excited going to the season because the Universal DH would be happening. So I thought without a doubt that Suarez would most likely move into that DH spot and hopefully fix his hitting woes. But nope, we are completely moving on from him. The Cincinnati Reds are in full rebuild mode. I won't be surprised if they continue to trade franchise level players. Now, although I was excited for Suarez, I... I'm fine moving on from him. It is the Jesse Winker area that I am just baffled by. I don't understand that at all. Jesse Winker was an all-star last season. He was a franchise level player and he was only 29 years old, which in baseball, that is not that old. That's like halfway through your career. So he still had half a career left. It just annoys me a little bit because although these players may be good, Although all of these prospects may be some of the names to mention in the future years of baseball, it is so hard to find an all-star. And that is without any argument, I believe. If you are trading for a bunch of prospects, no matter how highly ranked they are, to promise that they're going to be all-stars in the future of the MLB is not promised by anyone. That is so hard to predict, especially in baseball. With the NBA, you can kind of predict it pretty easily. You know, Anthony Edwards was going to be good. uh, But there are some mysteries like LaMelo Ball. And the NFL, it's even easier. Even though Trevor Lawrence didn't play at an all-pro level last season, he played at a very efficient level. So you kind of know. With the MLB, it is so unpredictable because there's so many years of progressing to make it to the MLB. That's why when teams say they're going to go into a full rebuild, I want that to be more they get a few solid players that they know are going to be good, and then they start saving up cap space so that they can get the players when they're solidified good. So we'll see how this works out for the Cincinnati Reds. On the Seattle side, I think this is a horrible trade because... Jesse Winker is now their best player. And although I love Jesse Winker, and I think he's amazing, I don't think he's a number one guy on a team. I don't think he's going to be the face of a franchise to make the World Series. And as I said, he has half his career left. So maybe Seattle starts surrounding him with amazing players. But right now, Seattle just does not have a good roster. I would say Robbie Ray and Jesse Winker are the big notables on the team. And other than that, it's a bunch of people that... I would not consider to be on a championship level team. The final move I want to talk about in the MLB may have went over everyone's head. And I saw a few people talk about it a little bit. But Matt Olson from the Oakland A's got traded to the Atlanta Braves bars. And then continue to sign an eight-year extension with the Atlanta Braves. Now, if you don't know, Matt Olsen from the Athletics now on the Braves is a first baseman. And if anyone is remembering, Freddie Freeman, who is a free agent right now, is also a first baseman. And Matt Olson is not someone that you want to put on your bench. Now, could they use him at the Universal DH? possibly but I personally think this is a clear move that the Freddie Freeman era in Atlanta is over and that's really upsetting because I think Freddie Freeman was the face of that franchise until the day he retired and Atlanta just won a championship and it was mostly because of him so I don't know they have a lot of young pieces they have Ozzy Albies they have Ronald Acuna Jr so this possibly could still be fine for them but i really like freddie freeman and it'll be very upsetting if he signs with the team like the dodgers which is seeming like he most likely will and that's really upsetting because freddie freeman always seemed like a committed franchise guy but clearly not braves have moved on from him and he most likely will be signing with the dodgers it seems like because they can offer him the most money as they always can So I think that was a huge move, and those are my four biggest moves so far in the MLB, and I'm sure there's plenty to come. There's so many big free agents that have still yet to be signed in the MLB, including Freddie Freeman and Nick Castellanos. So without further ado, let's get into the NFL. NFL. Now with the NFL, I'm going to do something slightly similar to what I just did with the MLB and talking about some big moves, but it's going to be a little different. I'm going to go more in depth. I'm going to try to go team by team, but I feel like some teams are just not notable so far in free agency, so I may skip a few teams if I feel like. Other teams need to be mentioned more, so please keep that in mind if your team doesn't get talked about. I'm just going to be talking about the teams that I think are the most notable. Miami has continued to make a lot of moves. I don't know if they will be good ones or bad ones. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who no doubt will be backing up Tua next year. Chase Edmonds comes in from the Cardinals. I really like that move, I think he has a lot of potential. And they brought in Cedric Wilson and franchise tag Mike Jasicki. They've made a few other moves that I don't think are that notable. But Miami, definitely making moves to try to win, and I'm happy for them doing that. Now, the New York Jets have not made any big moves so far. Most of them re-signings, but one of them has broken my heart in a billion pieces. The New York Jets signed the Bengals' former tight end, C.J. Uzama to a three year deal worth $24 million. And I won't get into too much because I know there's bigger news in the NFL, but it really does upset me. CJ was one of the big guys that I wanted to bring back. Even if he wasn't the starting tight end for the Bengals, I wanted him to be on the team because he truly is the heart and soul of the Bengals. He was the guy giving the speeches in the middle circle. That's all I talked about throughout the NFL playoffs was how much CJ Uzama mattered, whether he had a good game or not. And although I don't think he is a great tight end and he's a starting tight end for most teams, I was really looking forward to him staying on the team. Meanwhile, my boys, the Bengals have made some really good moves, have made some really bad moves, including letting CJ Uzama go. But we did sign Alex Kappa from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for four years, $35 million. I do very much like this move. I think we got him on a great contract. And it is amazing offensive line to protect Joe Burrow with. And then we went out and got Ted Karras from the New England Patriots on a three-year, $18 million contract. Now, although Ted Karras is nowhere on the level of Alex Kappa, this is a great contract to have a good offensive lineman on. And the Bengals clearly continued to just keep making moves to protect Joe Burrow this season. They also went out and re-signed B.J. Hill, the D-tackle. I still believe the Bengals will make one or two more big splashes, including one on the defensive side and one on the offensive side. We'll see who they are. I think it'll most likely include an offensive lineman and a cornerback. The Pittsburgh Steelers have made a move and it's only one move that I need to talk about that will either make them the clowns of this free agency or will make them the kings of this free agency. Mitchell Trubisky is signing a 2 year 14 million dollar contract that can go up to 27 million dollars with incentives. And Mitchell Trubisky, I don't believe in Mitchell Trubisky. I think this is 2 free wins for the entire AFC North now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but. There is a possibility that Chicago messed this guy up and he actually is good. He just never had the chance. And with that possibility, Pittsburgh could have made a genius move signing him to such a small contract. Mitchell Trubisky, we'll see. I am rooting for him. I'm not rooting for the Steelers, but I do hope he does good, but not good enough to beat the Bengals. So, Pittsburgh, for right now, I think you're the biggest clowns of the free agency class but we'll see how it plays out in the season. The Jaguars have made a lot of moves and they're horrible. The only move I like on here is they signed the offensive guard Brandon Sheriff to a three year, $49.5 million contract. I like that move. I think he is a little old and Jacksonville's not in a win now state. So I think that move's a little questionable, but I do like it. Meanwhile, they paid. Meanwhile, they paid Evan Ingram, who has had the most up-and-down years in the history of the NFL. They signed Zay Jones to a three-year, $24 million contract. Well, I think Zay Jones is good, I don't think he's a number two or a number three on a team. I think he's alright. I don't know. He had a good year last year, but I haven't heard his name before. And then the clown move. This may be worse than Mitchell Trubisky. Christian Kirk, who is a good receiver, don't get me wrong, Christian Kirk is a good receiver, but he is not a four-year, $72 million contract guy that has a max value of $84 million. Do you understand that Christian Kirk is now the third most paid wide receiver in the NFL? And the Jacksonville Jaguars have spent over $100 million now on their wide receiver core in the last two years. And what they have to show for it is Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, and Evan Ingram. That's a very subpar, mediocre wide receiver core for over $100 million. I'm very curious to see how the wide receiver market plans out for the rest of the offseason and next offseason. Now that Christian Kirk is a $72 million man. Kansas City is moving in a very weird direction. They've re-signed Frank Clark and given the franchise tag to Orlando Brown. But they also signed Justin Reed, a safety, for a three-year $31.5 million deal. That, as well as the Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City is officially out of the running for Tyron Matthew with this move. So, where is Tyron Matthew going to go? We do not know yet so far. The Los Angeles Chargers by far have had my favorite offseason. They re-signed Mike Williams, which was a great move for three years, $60 million. They traded for Khalil Mack, which even though they had to give up a decent amount for him, Khalil Mack will absolutely add to this defense. And signed JC Jackson, who was one of my biggest targets that the Bengals should have gone for. But he signed with the Chargers for five years, $82.5 million. I do think that's a little bit too much money, but... That being said, now you have Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and JC Jackson on one defense, along with Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen on the offensive side, not to mention Mike Williams is also there. The Commanders, once they made their name change, talked about how much they're going to push this offseason to get big-name players to come play for Washington. And so far, their only player that they have gotten is Carson Wentz from from the Indianapolis Colts. Washington. I changed my mind. As much as I want to say Pittsburgh, Washington without a doubt has been the biggest offseason loser so far. Their name change was so subpar and mediocre, and their offseason has been absolutely terrible after hyping it up so big. It could still be an amazing offseason, but they are clearly not making the moves that they said they wanted to. The Green Bay Packers, even though they continue to go way over the salary cap, continue to keep re-signing players including obviously aaron Rodgers, alan lazard uh devondre campbell has signed a five-year deal worth 50 million and preston smith another linebacker a four-year extension worth 52.5 million dollars and big news Devontae adams even though i talked about he received the franchise tag has officially told the packers that he will not play on the franchise tag this upcoming season meaning that if they do not reach an extension, Devontae will probably force his way out of Green Bay, and that will most likely include moving on to a team like the Las Vegas Raiders. Carolina has not made too many moves so far, only a couple of moves for a couple of defensive players and a kicker, but they are one of the biggest competitors for Deshaun Watson right now, so that could be a huge move for them if it goes through. If it does, Carolina actually looks kinda scary, if not, they are not competitive at all. Tampa Bay, obviously, Tom Brady has announced that he's coming back out of retirement to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2022 season. This then allowed so many players to come back and resign confidently with Tampa Bay, which I'm so sick and tired of. I wish that the man would just retire. But as I said, I was not completely confident that he would be out of the NFL. I said that he most likely would be back. And now he is, and Ryan Jensen, which this was a heartbreaker for Bengals fans, did re-sign along with Chris Godwin. Well, he technically received the franchise tag. And yeah, because Ryan Jensen was most likely going to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals, but because Tom Brady came back, decided to stay with Tampa Bay. And this also means that Gronk will also probably stay in Tampa Bay instead of moving to another team or retiring. Seattle has made a lot of moves, but none of them big. Obviously they had the Russell Wilson trade and they've continued to acquire a lot of players from that trade and also signing Quandre Diggs, a safety to a three year $40 million deal. I'm hoping that Seattle is moving in the direction of a rebuild. If not, then all of these moves are completely pointless and will not help them in any way. So we'll see how this works out for them, but I would like Seattle to move in a rebuild direction. So that is all the time we have for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. I really do hope that you enjoy, and I cannot wait to see you guys on Friday when the NCAA March Madness games begin and we can talk about some of the first-round games and continue to talk about them because I'm sure there will be games happening while I'm talking about them. So I will see you guys on Friday, and I will see you guys on the flippity-flip. Get out of here.